Welcome to the Fullness Church Weekly Podcast. At Fullness, we value the Bible and believe it is critical to teach it clearly, remaining true to its central focus of hearing and living the transforming news about Jesus. Our hope is this teaching will do just that. The words that you just been singing, that hymn and that plain chant, uh, as it's called, that we put together, uh, is probably one of the oldest for us, for sure, one of the oldest songs we sing in church. Uh, it predates the 1200s. Uh, it was sung in monastic settings. It was called Veni, Veni, Emmanuel, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, Craig, would you grab that table for me? Thank you. It was um, set, it was translated and put in a modern hymn book in the mid-1800s by a hymn composer by the name of John Mason Neal. John Mason Neal is probably even more famous for um, the hymn, not really a hymn, the song Good King Wenceslas. He was a priest and a clergyman. I think he wins the uh, most party priest uh, award for writing Good King Wenceslas. If you haven't read it, it's not for this morning. But the words, O come, come, Emmanuel, Matthew says this, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So when you say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, you're singing, O come, O come, God with us. It's a celebration of his first coming, which we do tomorrow, but at the same time, it's a celebration of his second coming. Hey, by the way, this is a family service, meaning we have no nursery, no preschool, no children's church, so if things get a little raucous, uh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be good. I'm not going to go on too long, I promise. John says it like this. The Word, God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled. You know, and I was talking about the circus and the tent. Um, Really, what John is saying is that, that the Word, Emmanuel, he didn't just come down to us. He came and he made his home with us. It's a whole different idea of this relationship that we have with the living God. And Isaiah, as we looked in uh, days past, said this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of of death, a light has dawned. God came. The light has come. And yet, the light that we experience now is in some ways a dim light because Jesus left and is going to come and return like the breaking of dawn. Here's what I want to look at from uh, Luke. It says this, because, uh, by the way, this whole series is about waiting. What do we do while we wait between Christ's first coming and his second? We're in this period between the times. What do we do while we wait? And we've looked at preparing our hearts and Uh, the power that God has placed within us, and how we communicate the gospel. And here is uh, a passage from Luke 
chapter 3. This follows immediately almost uh, the nativity story. And I find this fascinating, by the way, uh, for those of you who really look at the Gospels, that in Luke, immediately following the nativity, we don't get the ministry of Jesus. What we get is the ministry of John. And the same thing in John 1, which we're going to look at in a minute. We have that great intro to John about the word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. And then we immediately go to a discussion of John. And I think there's a reason for this. I think there's a reason for why Luke says this. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, there's another passage from Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him, every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John, the Baptist, appears in the desert, proclaiming a message of repentance. People come to him to see him. And I, I think John is a model to us of one who does what he's supposed to do in the waiting. Jesus hasn't stepped out into his public ministry yet, but John is preparing the way for him. And there is a sense where every moment of every day, what we're doing is preparing people's hearts, their lives, to receive the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. John says it like this in John chapter 1. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. So, again, the idea is what do we do in the waiting? As we prepare our hearts, as we prepare our lives, what do we do? Here's the first thing. We need to understand that we're sent by God. We are sent by God just as John was. It says, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. I don't know that we at times grasp the significance that every single one of us is, are sent ones. We are sent from God. Most of us live our lives waiting for someone to tell us something. Give us a word. When in fact, God has already proclaimed his word in our lives, and we are then the ones who are sent. John was sent. John was sent to proclaim the coming of the king. We too, Jesus says, he says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. One of the things I've tried to, over the years, make clear to every single person at fullness is that every single one of you is a minister, every single one of you is a missionary. The question is, where do I minister and to whom am I sent? Where's my harvest field? And every single one of you have your own harvest fields. Some of you, it may be in your family. Some of you may be school. 
Some of you may be workplace. But the idea is that as disciples of Jesus, every single one of us is sent. We need to embrace the idea that we are those who are sent. We are called as well to bear witness. To bear witness. What are we sent to do? Well, we're sent to proclaim. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. Remember, John has already said, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. He, the light of the world has come into the world. Now, John was sent as a witness to the light. What, what is a witness supposed to do? A witness is one who, who testifies to something that has happened in their life. You are, you and I, were sent from God. But we're not sent from God to proclaim just some message. Some academic kind of mind thing. We're sent to testify to what we know. What we've experienced what has happened in our lives. We are witnesses of the truth. You should be every moment of every day showing people what it is to live a changed life. Jonathan Edwards had this um, long ago, hundreds of years ago. He did a, he did a um, ordination sermon for a guy named Robert Abercrombie. And he used an unusual passage the passage uh, that he used was from John chapter 5:35, where Jesus says about John's witness. He's speaking of John the Baptist. And he says about John, he quotes chapter 5, where he says, He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. It's an unusual passage, but he's using the, the example of Jesus speaking of John being a, a light. And he spoke on these two things, the warmth of his zeal, this is Jonathan Edwards, and the light of truth. That as ministers of the gospel, what we give witness of is the zeal of God inside of us and the light of God to not only us, but to the world around us. You know, my question is this, what is the church giving witness of today? What is the church giving witness of today? Unfortunately, and I'm sure it's been true in other ages and at other times, but most of the time what we give witness to is a well-organized machine. What we give witness to is um, trying to pr promote ourselves. What we give witness to is, is to something other than what the real message is. We, it's like those who celebrate the parade but miss the main event. Years ago, Billy Graham was going to go to Halifax, Nova Scotia to do a, a crusade. And um, one of his friends and relatives, Leighton Ford, went to kind of prepare, so to speak, the people for the crusade that was coming up. And the night before the crusade happened, Leighton Ford was preaching in this 
arena that Billy Graham was there, then going to come into and preach the next night. And Billy Graham slipped into the event. Uh, he was a young man then. He wasn't as well known. He slipped into the event kind of incognito, so to speak. And Lane Ford gave an invitation to receive Christ for all those who wanted to receive him. And Billy Graham leaned to this man who was in front of him and said to him, do you want to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life tonight? And the man turned around to him, to Billy Graham, not knowing it was Billy Graham, and saying, yes, I do, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow night when the big shot comes. Now, Lane Ford and um, Billy Graham, they laughed about it for a long time because we have this celebrity mentality in church where the truth is this, God doesn't use big shots. He uses, I don't know, little shots <laughs> like you and me. We're the ones that God has chosen to use to proclaim this witness to the world. We're sent. We're to witness. But ultimately, here's what we're to do. We're to point people to God. We're to point people to God. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. Notice that that last phrase is not upon him all men might believe, but through him all men might believe. Too often we get caught again in this celebrity mentality where we think it's all about us. That we're pointing people toward us. And it's one of the stumbling blocks again of the church. I'm not trying on Christmas Eve to, to be a downer. But instead, I'm trying to encourage you to say, you are sent from God. You're to bear witness to the light. You are to point people to God. There's this, uh, Dwight L. Moody used to tell a story about a, in the days when shipping was, um, you know, by sails and not engines, that one a night this man was sailing from England to America on a ship, and he got, he was just seasick the entire time. He could barely get out of his bunk. And one night, he heard a call come out that a man had fallen overboard. And there was this scrambling on the ship for people to try and rescue this man. And this guy was so sick, he could barely get out of his bunk. All he could do was take the lantern that was in the bed next to him and stick it up to the porthole of the ship. Later on, the next day, they had rescued the man who had fallen overboard. And they were talking to him, and they said, what happened? How did you get rescued? And he said, I fell overboard. It was dark. I'd gone down twice. I thought I was going to go down again. And I heard the boats coming for me to try and rescue me, and they couldn't find me. But then all of a sudden, a light from a porthole in a ship shone on my hand. And they reached down in the water and snatched me out. See, to, to me, the, this is a story of the gospel. You may not be a big shot. And you may not know all the answers to every apologetic question that might be 
proposed out there about who Jesus is and about all the questions that happen. But here's what you can do. You can hold your light up to a porthole and say, I don't know all the answers, but I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. I'm holding up the truth to point people to God who is greater than I am. And you may be even saying to yourself, you know, yes, Pastor Bart, but John the Baptist was John the Baptist. He was something special. And I would say to you, yes and no. Yes, he was something special. But listen to what Jesus says. He says about John, what did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? These are kind of sarcastic questions, by the way. He was not a reed swayed by the wind. He did not dress in fine clothes. He said, no, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is lifting up. He, he's saying John was special. He was a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you and who will prepare your way before you. I tell you that among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Well, that's pretty high praise, right? He then puts this on it. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You may be thinking, I'm just a little shot. I'm nothing. But Jesus says of you, the least of those in the kingdom of God are greater than John the Baptist. Now, in faith, at some point, you have to believe this about yourself. You have to believe the truth that you are sent from God. You're to bear witness. You're to point people to God. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells you now, you have the power to fulfill everything he's calling you to fulfill. You see, Christmas isn't just about Jesus coming and being born in a manger. Yes, it is that, but it's about this. He came in order that our lives could be transformed and the power of God could redeem us and that we could be filled with his presence to share, like John, prepare the way of the Lord. Make smooth those rough places to other people so that they too can receive the kingdom of God. Here's my prayer for us today on this Christmas Eve that you will receive the truth about who you are. You are not just you. You're just not some little nothing. In God's economy, you are as crazy as it sounds, you're greater than John the Baptist. Receive the truth. Walk the truth. Proclaim the truth. Lord, we thank you this morning on this Christmas day that we have come, this Christmas Eve that we've come to proclaim your goodness to the world around us. Lord, I pray that we will indeed receive this truth that we are, we're like John. We have the power of God in us to see the world changed around us. And Lord, we thank you. May we receive. 
I pray for every person here today, regardless of age, that we would know that we are called, we're sent, we're witnesses of something changed in us. And because of your power within us, not because of ourselves, we're to point people to God by the power of God who indwells us to see people's lives changed forever. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching blessed you. If you ever find yourself in the Birmingham, Alabama area, come check us out. For more information, please visit fullness.life.